0: This is Unfinished Business, the show that talks about the business end of web, design and creative industries. This is episode 33, and today is Sunday, the 25th of August, 2013. This episode is sponsored by Perch, the little content management system for projects where you don't want a big, complex CMS, and Hammer for Mac, the nifty development tool for designers and developers. And we'll tell you more about them later in the show. The show's hosted by me, Anna Debenham, and by my co-host, Andy Clark, but he's on holiday for a few weeks, so today I've replaced him with someone that I quote quite a lot in the podcast, Sarah Parmenter. You're very kind. Hello. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good. Yeah, it's Sunday, so it's a good day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you've been really busy today, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I've been I've been working on my side project today because we've got a few employees down, so I had to step into the into the gap and um, and sit in the in the salon all day. So oh. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Yeah.
0: So you um you first started out doing kind of web stuff when you were like nineteen, is that right?
1: Yeah, that was when I started. You know who? Yes.
0: How did that work? Like, how did you find it
1: hard? Um, I think I spent looking back on it now. I mean, I'm 30 this year, and I still don't feel that I can speak with much authority when it comes to to business stuff in some senses because it's almost like when you see the the autobiography of someone on the shelf who's like 26 you you really don't know half of the business side of stuff and I think you're constantly learning but still looking back on everything I think I spent the first two to three years of of being in the business world trying to pretend that I was someone I wasn't
0: yeah no I can I can really relate to that um you wrote you're a really good Blog post. kinda I think it was your, your first blog post, maybe, um, about how you were kind of embarrassed about working from home. Um, and you said, like, I won't go into the whole story, which involves me hiding under a desk in jogging bottoms. <laughs> yeah. And my boyfriend's jumper. Um the end result was me being embarrassed about working from home and embarrassed for my client learning the truth that I don't have a huge shopfront front with space for three sofas and a coffee machine and tens of employees working on brand-new shiny Macs. So, mm-hmm. like, what happened?
1: With that? Um, I think, I yeah, I just spent a lot of time... Trying, looking at these other businesses or um, people who were older than me who had these premises, and I I almost thought that in order to be successful or deemed as um, worthy of charging for your time, you needed these premises in order Mm -hmm. to be taken seriously because as a female, young female in an industry that was quite um, up and coming and there weren't many women doing it at that time it was a hard enough barrier as it was without having the crutch of having office space and things like that. So yeah. um that was like that that kind of turned a corner in the end. Um and and I became okay with just saying I actually I work from home because most of my clients are American and that was my get out of jail free card for a long time and it it, it was completely true I gave up my office because it was costing nearly sort of 800 pounds a month and to a 23 24 year old that's you know that's
0: more than rent (laughs) yeah
1: that's a lot of money and when you you're sitting in an office on your own and not seeing anyone from a day-to-day basis either because your clients are not in your location Mm -hmm. um it seemed stupid so I just ended up saying to people when they were like oh why did you did you get rid of your office I think to other people in normal jobs quote unquote it was seen as a step backwards to go back to working at home and the minute I said well my clients are American and when I'm working and need to sort of answer them quickly on an email that they've sent at nine o'clock at night because it's, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon in San Francisco, that you need to be able to answer them. And I can't do that if all of my stuff's up the office. So yeah, um, it, it turned, it was about turning it on its head into a positive rather than trying to brush over the fact that it, it was seen as a negative by some people. It, was, it just needed a change of direction, really, and a change of um, ethos. And then everything was fine again.
0: Yeah. I remember starting out and that was kind of the most difficult thing was when a client wanted to meet you and like, cause I worked from home as well. Yeah, And I was, you know, I'd always be kind of worrying about, Oh, I need to find a coffee shop or, you yeah, know, I need to, um, I don't want to see my house cause it's not, it wasn't just me living there at the time. It was like my parents and my sister as well. Yeah. And, um, and it was just kind of—I always felt embarrassed to invite them to my house—and um, it wasn't till like a year into this that I realised that you can like rent meeting rooms. Yes, yeah. And so, like, I decided I'd do that, um, and I'd meet in coffee shops as well because that was always a bit nicer. But I—I I didn't think that people would like that clients would be very understanding when you say that you work from home. But actually, when I mentioned it, it was never a problem.
1: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, I guess it depends on, I think normally it depends on the client and the type of person that that client is. They try and put themselves in your shoes as to hear the old cliches of, oh, how do you not watch television all day and mm. and all of this? And it's because they know that if that's how, <laughs> that's what they would do if they worked from home. So yeah. I think it, it sort of says more about them sometimes if they're not willing to let you work from home than than about yourself.
0: And how did you end up hiding under a desk?
1: Oh, that was because this client, um, they had a tendency, they were the sort that would ring you up and say, I need you here in 10 minutes, because such (laughs) and such has happened. And you drop everything and run to them. But equally, the other way around, if they wanted to drop in a check for an invoice or something like that, they would just turn up unannounced. And I was not feeling particularly great this day, if I'm remembering it correctly. And I was, yeah, I was in my... In my jogging bottoms in a t-shirt and, you know, slobbing around, doing work, you know, being extremely productive, but just mm. not looking the way that I knew that they would want me to look if I opened the door and they're like, hold up, we're paying you <laughs> how much a day and you look like that and you've got, like, <laughs> 20 cans, of empty cans of Diet Coke on your desk <laughs> and stuff like that. And um, I just ended up hiding because they could technically see through to where I was. If they were standing on the right place in the driveway, Hi. so I just ended up hiding under the desk until they went away. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
0: brilliant.
1: They sent me. They were ringing my mobile, and I was just, um, I was just desperately hoping that they couldn't hear it from the outside of the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: that's <It> was, brilliant. <laughs>
1: it was quite funny. been back on it,
0: so you um, very recently changed kind of what you're doing. You've just opened a, a salon um, why did you do that? (laughs) I know it seems really strange, especially when I
1: feel like I've spent the whole of my web life going against the Barbie connotation and, you know, the, (laughs) all of that. But it was actually more that for many years, I've been on the lookout for American based concepts that haven't quite hit the British shores, but I've never quite got there quick enough. Um, the coffee shop thing obviously in the 90s unless you had a massive amount of capital um you weren't going to be able to start the next Starbucks at our age type affair and someone else beat us to that anyway um and then there was there's been sort of various other concepts that have come and gone and then I was looking into like frozen yogurt and things like that because I I still think that that's going to be a thing in england but i think because of our climate it will never be what it is in america Mm -hmm. um but yeah basically it just stemmed from being really interested in stuff that that is american but could be twisted to be british and to lend itself very well to a british um sense of business and things like that so it was I i know it seems like a completely different business and it is it is very different but there's so much overlap there is an incredible amount of overlap and and I know a lot of people will probably be looking down going well it's a salon you know it's, it's how hard can it be and but it's been a great side project um for for many different reasons the business side of actually bricks and mortar stores and the leases and you just grow as a business person more than anything because you end up learning about a completely different facet of a uh, um, a world that doesn't exist in web world because thankfully we don't have to sign a lease in order to get a domain name <laughs> <laughs> and things like that but um yeah, it just came about just purely from being interested in American concepts and, and being lucky enough and blessed to have spent a lot of time in America and, and witness certain trends emerging. Um, and it came at a time when I've been working pretty much for the, one client since January um, on a large project. And I'm a, a large cog in an even bigger wheel, and it uh, no, i wouldn't say it stifled my creativity that would be wrong but i have to design in a very specific way because it was the design guides that i personally set at the beginning of the project mm. but um there's we have to stick within those guidelines so i've been designing in a certain way for the last 6 months or so, so 6 7 months and i was actually trying i was getting a bit worried that i wouldn't be able to go back to designing normal stuff. because <laughs> like you forget. Yeah, like almost you would forget how to use your creativity in other ways. So I started thinking, oh, this side project would actually be really good because it means I could call the shots on the branding, the marketing, the photo, you know, photography direction, um, art direction type stuff, and just really put all my creative energy into that outside of doing the original work that I've been paid to do. So come Mm -hmm. five o'clock, I'd almost get another burst of creativity and be able to do my own stuff. Um, Then I found that the two kind of balanced each other really well so I would do really good work for for the client that I've been working for during the day because I knew at the end of the day I'd get to outlet my creativity into my own stuff so it was almost yeah. like carrot dangling <laughs> um so yeah it's been really interesting but um one a couple of guys from our industry dropped by the salon today actually they were just driving by in are local kind of webbies and they dropped by and and they really were chuckling to themselves because they said oh my goodness this is the most technological salon we've ever been (laughs) yeah I've seen some pictures like you've got a mac and yeah we've got a mac that's got um that we we built we custom built a Ruby on Rails platform for the for the clients so because it's the type of salon where it's not like a traditional salon where you'll get one person in for three hours having a cut and color. Um, Mm -hmm. It's sort of a 45-minute round table of different clients. So we built something that means that every time someone comes in, we don't have to ask them the same information, like how they take their tea, silly things (laughs) like that, but just um, automising the... Is that a word? Automating. Automating, that's the one oh brain fry (laughs) um automating the the process of learning lots of stuff or or getting the client to believe that we actually remember a lot more information than we do about them because that's important to me that that every client feels like they're taken care of so yeah we've got a Ruby on Rails platform we've got iZettle which is the English version of Square which is fantastic um we've got all these sort of fragmented platforms were using free agent for all the accounting things Yay. and um <laughs> lots of different very webby things that the apple tv's linked up and shows girly films <laughs> and it was just funny because he was like whoa this really is like two worlds colliding in here
0: did they have their hair done
1: no no they didn't because they are bald men so there wasn't a lot they could do they were just I think they were just interested to see how the two worlds have collided quite nicely and um it is funny because my my employees in that business are just like oh my goodness this is (laughs) this is um funky you know to me it's like oh really it's just iZettle or it's just such and such it's fine we're using flow get flow for um Task management stuff as well. So it's it's just completely webified but in a different industry, which is quite funny.
0: That's really good. You could teach um you could teach other companies that
1: I could. Or they're not very friendly, Anna, the other companies. The no. hairdressing industry is not like the web world. Everyone is oh. not your friend. <laughs> like if there's one thing I've learned, it's that I went into it with completely open eyes, thinking the hairdressing industry must be really warm and friendly like the web world. You know, Everyone must support one another, and it's like the complete opposite, oh. like you wouldn't believe. So, um, yeah, maybe I, I won't be telling anyone else about <laughs> how good our salon is hooked up to different things.
0: I um I listen to a really good podcast called um, Back to Work with Man Yes,
1: yes, I've listened to a few of those.
0: It's really good, I love it. Um, but he said sort of along the lines of if you've got a dream, um, like maybe try in your own coffee shop or that sort of thing, what first steps would you need to take to make that a reality and why aren't you already making them? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really good because I like that you've sort of had an idea and rather than just say, oh, wouldn't it be nice? You know, you've actually followed through and now you've got a shop and it's open. Um, and I guess it, it should inspire other people to like, you know, if they've got an idea, maybe to open up a web-themed coffee shop or something. Yeah. Like just, what would you need to do? What are those kind of first steps? The first steps
1: are, are always, I think it's naive to to say anything other than money. And mm-hmm. it's the thing that no one likes to speak about in this country. I don't know why we just, we don't like to talk about money. But the reality is you need a certain amount of money behind you to, to be able to comfortably put your head on the pillow at night and say, this, this might be a dream. But to make this dream happen, I either need business funding, or I need to know how much the bank is charging me to get this business loan, or Mm -hmm. how much cash flow I'm having to take out of one business and put into the new business. And am I going to be able to comfortably run that business? There's lots and lots of different ways that you can fund your dream. But I think having a really clear set path as to where that money's coming from, And being really upfront with yourself that it's going to probably cost double what you think it's going to cost. Even if you think you're the best costing person in the world, it will end up costing you double. And being realistic with yourself over that. And I think only then can you truly say, okay, I can take the first steps to make this happen. Because the safety net of, of being comfortable without adding extra stress into your life will only mm. come if you know that the money that you need to do the second the, the dream or the the side project or whatever it is isn't going to completely detriment the life that you already have
0: yeah that's really sensible
1: um and no one will no one will say that um hardly anyone will say that it'll all come down to fluffy stuff you know if you've got a dream you've got to follow it and but actually (laughs) no people have mortgages and people have things that they need to pay out for and the human brain works in funny ways As and you have a survival instinct and you know that you will be able to survive on x amount of money but outside of that you know that you're probably going to have a huge stress out because you're going to be needing it for other things so I think either saving up and putting stuff aside, or just speaking to a bank manager and finding out exactly how much you would be charged in interest plus paying back the money, and see whether mm-hmm. that's a comfortable way round of doing it. Um, for me, I'd put money aside as I as I'd gone along and um, hadn't really been drawing much of a wage for the last little bit, just because. It's going to sound really strange, but. Um, after my mum died, there wasn't really anything that I wanted to buy. I, I was sort of ticking along saying, OK, well, I've, I've paid for my mortgage, but in all honesty, I, I don't really need anything. You, you go mm. on a funny kind of tangent of, of not... I don't know. So I, I sort of left money in the other, in You Know Who, and then drew it for um, the side project. So um, the... The problem with doing anything physical, as opposed to what we do, which exists in a digital format, um, is that you have a very strong fight or fly mechanism with it. You really want to kind of keep saying, am I doing the right thing? Because if this goes wrong... It's not. You can't do it again. You can't just go in and change a bit of code and instantly it be okay. It it's gonna.
0: There's no undo.
1: Yeah. There's no control (laughs) Z in this (laughs) command Z or whichever it is. I can't remember. My brain's bad. But um, the yeah. It's. it's a funny one, the The amount of, if I had a pound for every time I'd laid in bed and gone, it's not too late to stop, it's not too late to get out of it, come on, just get out of it, what are you doing, why are you doing this, why are you adding extra stress into your life? Um, but pushing through that and knowing that obviously it's absolutely normal to be nervous about something not working out, but I think if you've already made that mental grapple with Is it okay? Am I willing to risk this amount of money to put into this side project? And if it fails and I don't make a penny from it, will I be okay? Will I still have the people around me that I love and the things that I value in my life? Will they still be there? If the answer is yes, then go for it. If you're the kind of person who, you know, needs to plough their money into buying a Ferrari because you're driven (laughs) by status, then I'd say you probably would would not want to go through with with a side project on the scale of something like that um
0: and I guess it's a question of time you know do you have the time to yeah. invest in something like this
1: but to be honest I would say that's less of a I would actually say that's the least problematic thing out of everything because the age old saying that you find time for the things you love is absolutely mm. true whereas before I was doing straight eight hour days on one project and then switching and going to side project stuff I'd find that having that carrot dangling at the end of the stick almost made me work harder on the client stuff because it made me want to do the creative stuff and then when I'd done enough of the creative stuff it'd give me more momentum to go back to the client stuff so the two kind of fueled one another and I didn't have any extra day, hours in the day whatsoever and I wasn't particularly running myself ragged in terms of the stuff that I was doing, but I was just working smarter.
0: Hmm. So, are you still doing client work?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not going... you <laughs> just as much? Yep, just wow. as much. <laughs> so I'm not going anywhere, anywhere fast. Everyone keeps saying, oh, are you leaving the web industry? Absolutely <laughs> not. No way. Um... Dan Rubin and I are are more than likely going to share an office above the side projects. We had to take the whole building. Mm. And I said to Dan the other week, I was like, I'm really, really missing Webby world. I feel like (laughs) I've been, I've been a charlatan in the, in the hair salon world for a couple of weeks, but actually I just want to come home. I want to click my heels like Dorothy and go, ah, I'm (laughs) back. Hi. But, um, Yeah, it's funny. If anything, it's just affirmed the fact that I'm in 100% the right industry for me and that I really enjoy being part of this web industry, whatever that is nowadays. I think it umbrellas so many different types of jobs. But I really enjoy my job. I really enjoy what I always thought I enjoyed. It was just that I needed an outlet to not feel like I was um, sort of cookie-cuttering everything. So... Yeah, I'm
0: really glad. I thought you were going to leave us. <laughs>
1: no, not at all. It was—it's the complete opposite of anything. I became so fed up with being the person who I felt like I'd—I'd I'd started a lot of side projects and half-heartedly done them because they existed in a world where y- you didn't have to physically kind of have an end point on it. You don't. Mm. Nothing in our land is ever finished. I don't think. Yeah. And that I—I I was finding that I was getting quite unnerved by the fact that I hadn't finished a lot of the stuff that I'd started Mm -hmm. so it was more of a I really want to finish this side project and you know have something to show for it and have it as a case study because a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been under NDA for the last two and a half years so I really wanted a good case study that I can go and this I branded from the ground upwards and, you know, just be able to talk about it at conferences and have some new material to talk about, to be honest, and not be yeah, trying Yeah, because
0: you're working with clients, you're, you're not allowed to kind of mention them at all.
1: Yeah, well, I am allowed to mention who they are. Um, I've been working for Scottish Television and News International pretty much for the last, well, um, News International for a year before Scottish Television. So mm. they're big, they're great contracts, they're big contracts in terms of the names behind them um but it means that what you're working on is very much under the radar and there's nothing you can do about it you 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 can't you can't shout anything from the rooftop so to a certain subset of people who aren't really aware of what you're doing you've just become stagnant and you've Mm. stood still and you haven't done anything and that for me was heartbreaking because I felt like I was doing all this great work behind the scenes, but not able to talk about a thing, a single thing. Um, and that was why the side project stuff also came up because I was, I, I actually feel like I haven't shared half of the stuff that I've had to do. So I'm going to have to do a massive case study on it because it all moved very, very fast, but, um, it was more to, to give me more confidence in myself that I was still good at a job that I loved and I'm not going to be humble there because I'm (laughs) always so hard on myself but that was more what it was about for me I think um I had a a thing that knocked my confidence last year and I just thought no I'm I'm all right let's see how non-webby world judges my work and let's put it out there and see how how well it's received and um, not that you do it for pats on the backs or anything like that, but everyone likes to know that they're still good at their job, especially when it's a job they love. So that yeah. was that was the main reason for it, really.
0: So I just want to take a moment to thank our first sponsor this week, which is Perch. Um, you know about Perch?
1: Mm. I do, I do. Drew and Rachel, yeah, what lovely people they are.
0: So I'm I'm really glad that they're sponsoring us because. Um, this week the designers i'm working with um we were sort of chatting about cms's and um basically they they both agreed that there's no one decent cms because of the code bloat that they produce yeah kind of how much um how difficult they are to use and customize and
1: <laughs> oh, 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 oh it's like he always knows when i'm recording a he's podcast. really excited
0: about perch as well he's very <laughs> excited about
1: perch <laughs>
0: So, so yeah, I was sitting there um, really kind of smugly, and and I said, oh, there there is actually one good CMS. Um, it's it's Perch, and I use it for my site. And um, one of the designers, um, hi Al! <laughs> Um because she listens to the show. Oh, cool. <laughs> she said, um, yeah, actually, um, Perch is really nice because I tried it out a few years ago. But um, she's saying how didn't really have many features at the time um so i told her oh you, you've got to try it out again because they've actually added a lot of really nice things over the years um so l what you need to do is go and have a look at the online demonstration sites for perch so that you can see what's changed since you last tried it out and also see if it will be appropriate for your site um pubcats.com uh yeah yes that is the real site and it's the <sighs> Best thing ever, you have to go and have a look if you like cats and pubs. <laughs> <laughs> so all you need to do is um, is go to the Perch website and um, pop in your email address and you'll get a link to your own hosted demo and you can see what it's like to use Perch these days. And it'll only take a minute because you don't need to build your own entire site just to try it out. Um, you can even try out the admin area to see what that's like and you can tweak all the content in there too. Um, one site shows kind of the bare bones content editing without too much styling applied. And the second is kind of a more fully built corporate site. And the third is the one that, that L you should try out because it uses lots of the kind of free add-ons uh, to show a site with a blog, a member section, events, diary and that sort of thing. Nice. So um, the demos are all responsive and the code for the pages and templates used is on GitHub And Perch is one of the few good CMSs that doesn't churn out gibberish code or poo, as I like to call it. (laughs) (laughs) And you can write your own markup and then um, you just plug in the bits that you want Perch to to generate. And they've got lots of properly decent video tutorials, um, but also transcripts of those and lots of documentation. So even idiots like me can follow along. (laughs) So the best way to support the show is by looking at their site via our special URL, which is grabaperch.com forward slash unfinished, and they'll know that we sent you. Um, And also go to pubcats.com. It won't support the show if you go there, but it will help you find cats in pubs near you. (laughs) Or if you're more of a ferret person. Oh, (laughs) Oh, gosh. Sorry, Andy would... Be really sad if I didn't mention this. <laughs> he would. I know. I I hate him
1: for starting that. <laughs> Honestly, I've had people seriously come up to me at conferences and and ask me what kind of food I feed my ferret and stuff <laughs> like that. That's just... Oh no! And he got some concierge in a hotel in America to say. Um, hello Miss Parmenter, welcome today I'm really sorry but you're going to have to leave your ferrets in the car We don't allow animals <laughs> in here I'm just I was cursing him
0: I wonder just how much you time. tip for something like that Oh
1: gosh, he goes to such lengths to make my web slash ferret life miserable
0: <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> No, it's fine oh it's so funny so um one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about today is um pricing because you've written lots and lots of blog posts about uh about how you price and um, one was about how you had a potential client ask you to do a website for £400. Yes. Um, Which was completely kind of unreasonable to you based on the amount of work that needed to be done. And um, I remember you tweeted about it in the, at the time and you had people recommending sort of who could pass the work on, like saying, oh, so-and-so can knock out a site for £400. Yeah. So do you want to talk a bit about that? Um,
1: oh, this is a really... <laughs> This is a really. I actually had one worse than this this week. I had um, someone send an email and say, "Hi, um, wondering if you can help me. I need a website. Listed the classic. You know, this is everything that we need the website to do. Which was a very was long... it a
0: Facebook clone?
1: No, <laughs> no. It was um. It was a. It was quite static, actually. To be fair, what she'd listed was what we would have just called a standard brochure site back in the heyday it wasn't it wasn't Mm. particularly complex but she said um yeah I've got a budget of between 100 and 125 pound which really made me laugh because I was like that 25 pound is really going to make all the difference there is that 100 (laughs) to 125 and I messaged her back and and as I always do I've always said I think that you should message them back because half the time it's an education thing that they don't realize what a website will cost and mm. a lot of the time when I have educated the client and said are you aware that that actually this is how much websites cost they they find the money from somewhere as we all do for things if we suddenly realize that something that we really need is more money um we we make more informed decisions choices and decisions on other aspects of our lives as to whether we can then put money into that thing don't we so Mm -hmm. there's sometimes ducking and diving that can happen and you find budget comes out of nowhere sometimes but anyway she um she sent me a message back I sort of said oh I'm really not sure how much 100 to 125 pounds is going to get you um if I'm being honest that's an exceptionally low budget for a website nowadays um I think maybe you would be better using a platform like Squarespace or Verb or something yeah. like that. That's Because there are a
0: lot of those sorts of things. Yeah.
1: And I was thinking in, in professional terms, it doesn't do me any favours by any stretch saying that. It, it, but then it's not going to do me out of any work either because mm. I wouldn't work with her. But... Um, I thought, oh, that's a sensible decision. Hopefully she'll go on there and she'll have a look and she'll realise that maybe that will be enough to get her by with that kind of budget. Mm. And the answer that I got back was quite stunning and really riled me up. She said, thanks for that. I think template sites are tacky and uh, not suitable for the type of business that I am and the kind of discerning clientele that, will be visiting the website um I've now hired a designer um at a cost of 850 pounds thanks but no thanks um it it was just worded very very aggressively Mm. and very um like well you might not do it for that amount of money but actually you know I think your decision is really tacky and I've gone and gone and found more money out of somewhere and I'm now hiring someone to do it um and that really made me cross <laughs> so I sent back a message and said maybe if you disclosed your actual budget at the beginning I might have been able to provide different advice for you yeah but you changed. <laughs> you changed from £100 to £850 in one conversation. Not that actually it would have made that much of a difference either, but still it would have changed what I would have said to her to do. So pricing is a really funny one because I do think that clients should be educated and, and it's our job to educate them. But I also think as a benchmark, we should have something that we're all more... We disclose more about our prices because yeah. it's the people who are new and come into the industry and have skills that are more than worthy of being chargeable right off the bat, and they charge too little for it, and it belittles everything that we all do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a sort of number one question that that people ask when they write to us is, you know, how much should I charge, or how much does a website cost, and. Uh, I mean, what what do you what do you say to that when someone asks how much does a website cost or how much should I charge?
1: I always how much does a website cost? I always say how long is a piece of string, and I think th- that is a product of so, so much so many different things available, and there are so many different ways to produce a website nowadays. There's so many platforms, there's so many things that can help, but ultimately it does come down to their own budget that they've set aside. In terms of mm-hmm. pricing yourself as, a, as an individual, um, I always try and say to people, please don't forget that you might find writing basic HTML and CSS easy and you can do it with your eyes closed. But if you showed that to the average people in a coffee shop, they would think that you were writing in Russian you know, they would think that you were the most clever person in the world because they can barely switch on a computer. Therefore, your services are chargeable. Where your rate lies within the industry standard, you have to be sensible about it. If you're starting off then, you know, you have to find your feet with with where that where you stand within that spectrum. But it's, it's a really difficult one because it depends on so much stuff. It depends on who it is. It depends on how much you need to survive on. But I don't know. Need... like
0: how you wrote, you wrote this blog post, um, you get what you pay for. And mm-hmm. you kind of broke down exact... Cause I think someone quoted you, like, they said, oh, my budget's £500. And you wrote back saying, like, £500 over four weeks divided by two people works out at fifty six per hour. Yeah. Um, And then and then you wrote a little bit after that saying, I'm not showing you these sums to be patronizing at all. Please don't think that. Um, I'm just merely trying to point out why it would have to be increased considerably before we could look to producing the site for you. And I like how you did that, because you weren't saying like, oh, what an insult, you know, 500 pounds for a website. You were kind of breaking it down and explaining, you know, if we were being paid for this, it would be it would be below minimum wage basically yeah and I think people need to do that you know when they get a quote through or when they produce an estimate think about well how many hours is that actually going to take you and what would that be per hour and would you be better off getting a job somewhere else yeah I also think you have to take into account if you're a
1: newbie in the industry and um, one of my friends is and he has this problem about charging as well and I try and say to him you can't the other difficult thing you can't charge the client for your learning curve you have to take a certain amount under your hat and say that I'm attributing to learning this thing and this mm-hmm. is what I'm charging for and I think that's the hardest thing at the beginning is because you're probably enjoying what you're doing so much that you're not keeping tabs on your hours yeah. you're not keeping tabs on the learning aspect and then the actual doing aspect so I think it's really important that you kind of break your weeks down if you're able to do it because you've got a full working week then i'd say spend the first half of the week learning the thing that you need then need to implement second and then Mm -hmm. you can find out roughly how long projects are taking you much easier um but not charging the client for your learning curve so you're charging the client two and a half days out of five and knowing that you're also getting skills under your hat for that Time as well and that's yeah. probably the easiest way that I've ever spoken to someone about breaking it down and I've said I don't I don't think anyone's daily rate should be in our industry I don't think anyone's daily rate should be less than a 100 pounds in some ways that's probably mm-hmm. really controversial but regardless of um whether they're super super new or have uh, learning really basic html and css if you know basic html and css and you can get a client out of a problem it's a problem that they don't have the skills to solve and by the time you finish finished doing it you must have racked up a bill of nearly 100 pounds You must have done just through speaking to them on the phone, doing consultations, logging into their server, getting the server details, which they never know how to get or do. (laughs) We are always in their admin area getting stuff. And I think that a lot of our stuff we just enjoy so much and it comes as second nature to us that we just do it.
0: Or we feel bad about charging. for. I certainly did when I started out. I was kind of, oh, I actually feel bad about sending invoices because I enjoyed doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. But you shouldn't
0: because then you'll go out of business. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> yeah. exactly. And I think that's where if if it would be so much easier if we all just said, right, if you are a junior designer or developer, your daily rate should be between these two bandwagons. For want of a better word, <laughs> bandwagons. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but we don't we kind of all clam up around anything to do with pricing and it would just be so much easier if everyone was quite open and honest
0: yeah about I mean we've got we've got sort of surveys you know Cole Henley has yes. a survey and the list part do a survey and they put sort of daily rates but that's quite hard to plot against a project it is yeah yeah can I ask like how much you tend to charge clients like for a project you know what's like the minimum that you'll take on normally
1: I say on the site 5,000 pounds and that seems quite high but for the type of clients that I go after Mm. it actually enables me to have a really good sense of it It's more a qualifier rather than a it's a cold hard you need cold hard five thousand pounds cash in <laughs> in <order. a> suitcase. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's more used as a um a qualifier, so whether they're educated enough into knowing that that it needs to be responsive and it needs to be this and it needs to be that because anyone in their right mind would sit down and go that stuff's not gonna be cheap if you're doing yeah. it correctly it's not going to cost a couple of hundred pounds. And it's more about whether someone has sat down and allocated a decent budget to something rather than them needing that amount of money. So people still send me emails and say, oh, I've got this, but I've set aside such and such, and it's still fine, but it's more, I'm not going to take on a website for 500 pounds. Yeah, because um, I
0: guess if you did that, if you did take on lots of £500 pound websites, you'd be you'd be very busy and you wouldn't be able to dedicate as much time to the clients, you know, the sort of time that you like to take on a project.
1: Yeah, and
0: I think... It's kind of about quality versus quantity.
1: I think if anyone was honest with themselves, you could do £500 pounds worth of just communication with a client, mm. let alone sitting and physically coding stuff we should be more like solicitors and lawyers in my eyes we should we should charge for each email read every phone call taken <laughs> every time you have to read something that comes through the post we do so much of our jobs for free just because I guess we're
0: quite similar to them because um you know they don't really have materials no um just like we don't and that's something that I think a lot of potential clients get caught up about you know they think well it it doesn't weigh anything so it's not like a car it's not something I can hold it's not tangible why should I have to pay you for it Mm
1: -hmm. yeah being there (laughs) (laughs) it's um I think that's where you have to just look out for those classic red lights and the alarms going off with certain clients that you get to know them over the over years of Dealing with those kind of people. Um, I think you just look out for those alarm bells early on.
0: Mm. I think people need a bit more confidence as well. You know, when they are doing estimates, think about how long has it taken you to learn the skill that you do now, like really well, mm-hmm. um, because I bet there's been hundreds of hours, maybe even months that you spent just learning. Yes. And it that's, you know, that's time that you're not getting paid and, you know, it, you've got to account for that you've got to kind of pay yourself back for that time yeah completely that is an overhead in itself
1: that's an unaccounted overhead of what we do but we don't see it that way because we're too engrossed in loving our jobs (laughs) that we don't see when we read the latest a book apart that it's actually like learning or like reading a textbook at school yeah it, we don't see it that way. We go, ooh, new shiny thing from from a <laughs> um... book apart. Oh, cool! What colour's this one? Oh, it's going to go <laughs> perfectly in my shelf along with my other coloured books. We we just don't we don't That's see exactly it that way. My thought
0: process. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: just um, we don't see that that is a is a cost in itself a learn a learning kind of cost. The same as when you go to university and you have university fees, right? It's, yeah, we don't see it that way. And it's—I think
0: people think like the more you hate your job, the more you have to charge. But it's—it's <laughs> yeah. it's not like that.
1: I think one day we should all just raise our rates. Just have a Raise Your Rates Day, <laughs> where everyone just raises their rates, and just as a whole, the industry becomes a little bit more expensive, <laughs> and everyone can have more biscuits and tea that year.
0: Yay! <laughs> So I just want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor um do you know Elliot Kemba I do he spoke at a conference I went to um web dev Conf, mm-hmm. and he was amazing he was so smart and I really enjoyed his talk um how do you know him I know Elliot from
1: the old Carsonified days
0: ah. yeah he
1: was at he was at Carsonified when uh, I would think <laughs> oh do you know that's not even my dog Anna <laughs> That's like, we, we live in a neighbourhood of dogs. Aww. Yeah, that's not mine. Not guilty for that. I'm just overlooking gardens of dogs <laughs> on a Sunday. Um, yeah, Elliot was at, yeah, He when he was at Cosonified and then um, just through through the industry really, but I've heard such good things about Hammer. I've got Hammer mm-hmm. on my computer actually, on my Mac, but I haven't used it yet properly because I've been doing iOS stuff. Mm. so I'm looking forward to using it because it looks so well designed it's like ridiculously well designed and apparently it works beautifully as well yeah so- Andy's
0: been showing it to me a lot um he's got his own template called rock hammer oh okay um yeah he's he's really crazy about it I've got it I've got it as well um I haven't been able to use it on any client projects yet but I I've used it a bit on little personal projects I really like it um, so yeah, Elliot's the one behind Hammer for Mac and it's it's a really nice app for people who work with HTML and CSS and maybe a bit of JavaScript like me. Um, it's designed to speed up your workflow. So what it does is it, it takes all your development files through your HTML, your CSS and your JavaScript And it compiles them into a build folder for your project. So it'll compile SAS or CoffeeScript, whatever the hell that is. (laughs) Um, And you can keep your HTML files really clean by using includes and clever paths and even variables in your HTML pages. Uh, So it doesn't use PHP. So you don't need to set up MAMP or anything like that. Um, and it's available in the Mac App Store and it's got some really great new features like um, ignore files and zip export. Uh, so nice. so when you need to send the client the project files to review, um, this is what I really like about it. So you can just click Hammer's export button and it'll zip up the build folder. Or if you want to make things really easy for the client, uh, you press the publish build button and Hammer just puts all your files to a URL on some web space that that Riot give you. Um, And you can send the client the link and they can have a look at it there. So it's amazing for doing sort of prototyping and that sort of thing where you just want to quickly send the client a URL where where they can look at the site. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, And especially good for designing in the browser. Nice. And there's something else too that um, that Andy is especially excited about, um, templates. So how it works is whenever you start a new project, you can choose a set of default files and there's a gallery of new templates online at hammerformac.com forward slash gallery and Rock Hammer, that's the template we were just talking about. Um, that's in there. Also, the HTML5 boilerplate is in there. And I just noticed um, my friend Paul Robert Lloyd uh, he's got a template in there called Bare Bones, and that's really, really great. That's one that I actually use when I, when I start building a project. Um, so there's a free trial available for Hammer for Mac, and it's 16.99 uh, pounds in the Mac App Store. That's uh, 23.99 dollars. And you can find out more about them at hammerformac.com forward slash unfinished, and they'll know that we sent you. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so um you wrote a blog post which is aptly named hammer at home Um, oh I see what you did there
1: you have done your research (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) um so you were in a situation where you had a client say that they had this great idea for a logo design um but when you did the work and they saw it in the flesh they 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 just didn't like it Mm -hmm. and um I guess that they wanted you to produce like a new one but You couldn't allocate any more time to them that week because you had other clients booked in. Mm -hmm. uh, So they went elsewhere, Um, but they decided that they didn't want to pay you for the time that you'd already spent on the logo uh, because they didn't like the final design. So what what did you do to kind of handle that situation?
1: It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I think we grow up in a society where we learn that if you don't like something, you don't, pay for it if you don't like Mm. the dress you've bought you simply return it um and that that spreads through into service industries as well where it never ever should I don't know why it's it's okay in our industry for that to happen um I can't think of any other industry where it would be seen as okay as much as I see it in ours
0: yeah, it would be like going to a solicitor, getting advice off them and then uh, saying, no, I don't actually want to pay you for that because I'm, I'm going to a different solicitor. It's
1: it's just bizarre how people don't value other humans' time. Mm. And that threads through lots and lots of different industries, not just our own, but our own is a funny one because it's so, um, with anything artistic... just based on personal preference and choice and half the time when I was doing lots of logo designs and branding type stuff it would be the logo that you hated the most that the client would choose and you'd have this (laughs) really I've kind of left that in there to bump it up to make it look like there was a significant amount of work done which there (laughs) probably was but really you always had your favorite logo design that you wanted them to pick yeah um And in in that situation, I remember explaining that you weren't buying the logo design, you were buying my time and my time and expertise to craft the thing that you had in your head. And if I remember that project rightly, it was a very, very simple logo that they drew on the back of a napkin, (laughs) Um, but actually wasn't that simple to produce in Illustrator for various reasons. And then when i actually saw it in the flesh that yeah it was just oh no we don't like that we're going to we're going to take a different direction almost like spec work really isn't it like
0: start again Yeah, show us some more pictures yeah
1: show us some more pretty pictures of what you could do um and what i did was cuz i use andy's um terms and conditions what does he call it it's got uh, a special
0: name contract
1: killer contract killer yeah i've i've amended contract killer over the years to have various different paragraphs in it and one of the paragraphs that I amended was so that it said just to reiterate you are not purchasing a final product you are purchasing the time to complete that final product and if we are going anywhere near to the hours allocated to this project we'll let you know we'll let you know positive things that we can do to get it back on track so you feel like we're not actually just taking your money and running with it we do want to bring this project in on time and on budget if you continue to behave or continue to say or continue to send emails every 10 minutes that need reading we're we're going to go over budget and this is what we can do to help stop that from happening. But if you want to carry on that way, then this is how much we're going to bill you. And we will send you another reminder when we've got five hours left in the bank and we'll send another reminder then and say this is how we're anticipating using those last five hours. What
0: do you want us to do with it? Yeah. And that That's really good. You should you should um edit the gist. Yeah. Put a comment on it and then Andy can add it in. Yeah I should. It's
1: the it's actually the paragraph that has saved me i make it sound like i i always have problems with my clients i don't i don't at all but when it has cropped up as everyone has if they're being honest with various different things across the years i'm sure um when it has cropped up that clients have gone oh actually and half the time it's because they've seen something in a template that they've googled that they just want to copy <laughs> um yeah we're not actually gonna oh we'll actually have to pay because that was what you signed you signed right. for my time you didn't sign for the product at the end mm. of it, and that has saved me more than any of the other clauses that are in that so yeah I should add yeah. that in
0: that's really worth knowing um in the last five minutes uh, one of uh, one of my favorite blog posts you've written uh, is about why payment prior to launch is so important um, do you remember writing this I do it was ages ago though it
1: must be like two thousand and Eight two thousand
0: and nine. I remember reading it because I was having exactly the same problem. I mean, it wasn't in every way the same because you you, your problems sounded a lot worse. um, (laughs) After reading that, I straight away started charging. Before um, yeah, asking for the final payment before putting anything live. Yeah. Um, so you, you wrote like this kind of scare story about how you had a client where um, I think were you working for an agency? Yeah, I
1: was. I know who this is now. Yeah.
0: And um, they put the site live kind of before paying you, um, and they locked you out. Yeah. So that you couldn't ch- you could pull it down again. Um, you ended up going into the MySQL database. <laughs> And just, like, deleting it so that that it couldn't feed the site. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that you'd emailed them and asking, you know, saying, you know, you need to pay me before the site goes live. That's in my terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still went ahead and did it. Um, like, how did that turn out in the end?
1: Badly. I haven't spoken to them since,
0: <laughs> in all well, honesty. I don't imagine you'd want to work with them again. No.
1: And I think... I think the the reason I took it to such extreme. I'm not an advocate of people posting stuff on websites when people don't pay them, or going to no, the extreme no, in that that's sense. That's something
0: that, that me and Andy have talked. I know about
1: you. Before. Yeah, I, I've heard you guys speak about it, and you you don't you're not advocates for that either. But in this particular situation, the guy in question, the agency who I was doing the work for, had actually asked me to come on board as part of their agency and to fold, you know, who into their agency and we would all become basically one sort of super studio type thing. <laughs> wow. And the reason I reacted so badly was because he tried to really diddle me on how much he was going to put in the pot for my right. side of the business, which is why I got so cross because he kept saying oh yeah no we'll pay you a fair and then this happened and I just saw red because I was thinking this isn't an honest business transaction this is you trying your hardest and I mean locking me out of the server that's pretty low that's Mm. that's pretty low um and it just made me realize that they weren't they weren't reputable and they weren't you know
0: and they knew your terms and conditions because you told them before.
1: Yeah, 100%. They knew what the score was. They knew because I'd had phone conversations with them and I wasn't that happy about doing that particular project because it was through a, another client of theirs. So right. it was almost like I was the middle person between the two. The agency that I was working for were clearly upselling my services, which loads of them do, um, but then... I would get the aggro from the client because it was being upsold, but to me it, was, it wasn't it was coming down the pipes.
0: Right, so, so they weren't telling you about things that you needed to put in. Yeah,
1: they weren't yeah. telling me about new feature, you know, feature creep, all of this stuff that always happens wasn't getting trickled down to me. Yeah. And... I was being told, well, this needs to go in and that needs to go in. And, and well, why? Who said it needs to? Oh, well, it does because we've agreed. it." And it was just one of those classic terrible situations. Um, and yeah, payment prior to launch. I think it's the same with a lot of different things. If you have an incentive to pay, you pay. If you don't yeah. have an incentive to pay, unless you have an emotional tie to that business, i.e. you go in there every day and it'll be awkward if you haven't paid for something. <laughs> um, there is no incentive to pay with lots of things. It's, It just doesn't, it's maybe not done maliciously, but it's just not at the forefront of your mind because you've already got the thing that you so desperately yeah. wanted. And that I, I don't launch anything without um, full payment now, not even just a 50% deposit. I, I don't launch unless the whole lot is in because I've also had problems where the last 50% has, has never arisen and they've done exactly the same thing.
0: There's yeah, sight- and you also mentioned that it means that um, they can make like further significant changes mm-hmm. um, while, while you wait for them to pay you and you're more likely to make those changes even when you should be charging for it. Yeah. Because uh, you're just desperate to get that money. Yeah they
1: they really know how to pull the strings of if especially when you work for yourself and it's your main source of income they know if you're on the phone every day asking about your invoice that you need the money and they play on that and that's what's so sad about being a small business owner i know this country's got better at with the small claims court stuff and things like that but we all hope that we never ever have to use those services but the client knows if you're on the phone every day or emailing every day and asking about your money, they know that you're desperate for the money and that you will complete small tasks that, you know, are small-ish or maybe not in some cases.
0: But they all add up.
1: That they all, yeah, they all add up, but they keep saying, oh, well, just do this one thing and we'll make sure the money's in your bank by this evening. You do it, you go to your bank in the evening and it's still not there. Yeah. And then you email again the next day. Oh, I didn't receive... Oh, didn't you? Oh, I'm so sorry. But while we're just... We'll get so-and-so <laughs> from accounts to put it through straight away, but can you just...
0: Yeah.
1: And that's how they get you.
0: Yeah. It makes business sense to to get the payment, like the final payment, before you put the site live, for those very reasons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's There's... Once that has happened, I think it's, it's best for business in all ways round. At the end of the day, you... You're there to earn a living and to be respected by people, especially when they're the sort of people who've been clicking their fingers most of the time for the entire project. Yeah. To then Yeah, don't
0: forget that that it's it's you're earning a living. Yeah,
1: you're earning a living. And then to not have them really think, Oh, you know, this person's gone above and beyond to get this out the door for us, we'll pay them promptly is Ugh, that's the one thing I can't bear is when you feel you've gone above and beyond, and then you're like, "Can you just pay my invoice?"
0: Yeah, we'll have a think about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about that one.
0: So, my last question before we wrap up, um, and this is something that you ask your guests on your show every week. This is uh, your show is called Happy Monday. Yes, and it's great. Thank You interview you. a different person every week, and um, at the end, you always ask them, "What's inspiring you?" Yeah, we do. So what is inspiring you? Oh, um, right now,
1: psych- I've gone back into the realms of psychology and learning a lot about psychology, um, psychology and design. I'm really fascinated with looking at how people in my side project interact with different designed elements and stuff that we know as user experience designers and user interface designers and seeing how that actually physically translates into the real world is really inspiring right now because I have an opportunity that's quite rare that I'm very aware of. Of I can conceive a marketing idea or an idea for something and it can be in the salon the next day and I can look at how well it does or how how well clients interact with it. And the thing that I'm finding really inspiring at the moment is, is um, something that I think Seth Godin has spoken about a while ago, which is how about just trying... The language the tone of voice and the language on your website or whatever you use whether you use Facebook pages and things like that how about just being honest how about removing the marketing fluff and just being honest and saying hmm. exactly how something is so instead of saying we're fully booked we have no more spaces we're so busy we're so busy how about just saying actually um we we didn't do so well on Wednesday and Thursday. We could do with some more numbers, but if you want to come in on Friday, Saturday or Sunday, we we can't we have nothing left. But we didn't do so good on this day. And it's amazing how well the British public react to that. Wow. In itself. Because they I think people see through marketing fluff now. They see through yeah. the whole like our page 400 likes and someone will win an elephant or whatever it is that they say that we all see. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all see it on Facebook all the time. Just four more likes until we hit 300. And I'm like, who cares? Who cares? You're doing it wrong. If people like your page, they will share it. And if you're doing the right thing or they like your tone of voice, or they think that you're a fun business, they'll share it amongst themselves. You shouldn't be begging for likes. Yeah, it's
0: um, kind of
1: sad. It is a bit sad, isn't it? It is very sad. So like I'm, us. Yeah, like <laughs> us on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, please. Um, so I find it quite inspiring now just to cut the crap, really. Are we allowed to say that on this? Yeah. I just did. Um, <laughs> cut the crap and really just say what, is the problem, or not to the point where you're disclosing intimate details of your business, but if something didn't go so well, say, don't try and give this marketing thing of oh, only five more left or something, <laughs> because then when you have actually only got five left, no one will will believe you, yeah, and. It's been an amazing change to see that happening through that side project, because when client, new guests are coming through um, this week and saying, oh, how did you do in your first week? And we were able to 100% say the weekends were fabulous, but during the week's going to be a problem for us because mm. we still need those numbers during the week to even break even, really. And what then happens is they turn into your advocates, yeah. oh I know so and so oh they could come in at any time because they're older and they're retired and oh I'll tell so and so about you the minute you're a bit more honest and people can go okay this is just someone trying to build up a business this isn't someone who's like trying to pull the wool over our eyes yeah it's amazing what happens just a little bit of honesty where they don't expect it that's what's so inspiring I, me I really
0: wish they oh you know the nice little shops that you go to and it's it's just like one person running it. Yeah. Um I always get really upset when they put a sign on the window saying oh we're closing down because like business wasn't so good. It's like yeah. why didn't you say that before? You know, if you if you'd put up a sign saying hey we could really do with more more people shopping here, then you know, I'd tell people. Yeah.
1: It's really sad, isn't it? It's a very and I think the British, that's why X Factor and everything else do well. The British love nothing more than a sob story. And I'm not saying that closing down <laughs> is a sob story, but they love to turn into the helpers. Yeah. They love to suddenly be like, oh, well, I told 10 friends about that. And that to- those 10 friends told so-and-so and so-and-so. So I think just being honest is a really good way to go in a world where everyone is trying to scream at you to get attention because we're in a recession just actually turning around and saying it like it is. It's and like
0: what you were saying right at the start.
1: I've forgotten what I said at the start. <laughs>
0: <time. laughs> Hiding under a desk. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's true.
1: It's true. Actually, honesty does go a heck of a long way. And if anyone's going to turn their nose up at you because you're being honest and they're not the sort of people you want you want to be having in your studio or having as a client or having as a a guest in you know a spa or whatever um completely can see how that happens in the real world as well as web world with clients I, i saw it this morning a woman and a little girl came in and i could immediately tell that they weren't the sort of people that we we would like to have in the salon not because, not because we're being snooty. Um, I could just tell that they didn't get what the salon was. Right, And it felt like the whole time they were in there, there was friction and there was almost like they wanted us to do stuff which actually would, was downright dangerous. Not just was going to look hideous, but I think <laughs> this woman was actually willing us to burn her scalp so that she could have curls what? that looked like they started from her root rather than further <laughs> down. I'm not even joking, but it's the same thing of being quite confident to say if that person never came back, I actually don't feel like we'd lose anything because right. she's not the sort of person that we would want coming back time after time after time. We would actually rather plough our energies into people who get us and get that that's not the sort of stuff that we do and, you know, are happy to just sit there and have a decent conversation with us. And it's funny, it mimics so well, but entirely differently.
0: Yeah, the web, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry, I failed to add that <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought you'd just cut out. (laughs) No,
1: my my tea my tea ran out about twenty minutes ago, and um and my my brain just has obviously gone and don't finish sentences.
0: So, how can people get in touch with you? Um, Carrier pigeon
1: tends to be a better form of getting hold of me rather than email. I'm shouting at you. Shouting, (laughs) stand on the end of Southend Pier and raise a flare in the air. That's quite. Effective. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm Sazzy on Twitter, S A Z Z Y. And if you're feeling really brave, you can send an email to sarah at com. But I am terrible on my emails. <laughs> I'm far better in 140 characters. I'm far better and quicker. Uh, it's only because I get so much spam and yeah, clutter to go through that I'm terrible in my emails. But um, yeah. Thank you for having me, Anna and oh, Andy in brackets, even though he's oh. not here.
0: <laughs> I'll put all the links that we mentioned um, in the show notes. Um, so you can find those at unfinished.bz forward slash 33, because this is the 33rd episode. Um, if you want to ask me any questions, you can email me at has at unfinished.bz. And if you really want to email Andy, you can email him at hehas@unfinished.bz. at unfinished.bz. Or you can email us both at theyhaveunfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Perch, the little content management system for projects where you don't want a big, complex CMS. Uh, Check them out at grabaperch.com forward slash unfinished. And also thanks to Hammer for Mac, the nifty development tool for designers and developers. And you can find out more about them at hammerformac.com forward slash unfinished. Normal service will resume next week and Andy will be back, no doubt, talking about soap and apes. (laughs) See you then. (laughs) Bye. Bye.